Good afternoon, good evening, happy new year. You're on equal footing with Dove Tuzman. Tonight's show is Does It Suck to Be a Teenager in 2021? We probably could have titled the show Does It Suck in general to be anybody in 2021 given the start of this year. But it, there's been a lot of chatter in the mental health community, in the academic community, sociologists, psychologists, etc., about the impact of the pandemic period, particularly on the teen cohort, and it, whether it has to do with uh, mental health issues around social media, issues around uh, bullying, the fact that so many young people have had taken away from them their parts of their high school or college experiences or middle school experiences, graduations gone, friendships more difficult to uh, grow or form. And there's been, so, as I was looking at this topic, I've been wanting to do a show on this for, for months, as one of our guests tonight knows. We've been chatting about it in the background for quite a while. And I, I got, I had a surfate. I had plenty of commentarists from an academic perspective, adults that were commenting on what it's like to be a teenager in, the, teenager in this period. And I, there were, for every 10 folks that were in that cohort, there was one teenage voice that uh, that I was finding in my research. So here we have four teens on the line. Well, one preteen, 12-year-old going on 25. Now, Mayan, our, one of our guests is, is about to be 13. So technically a preteen all the way up to 19. We have four amazing people uh, here on the show tonight to talk about what it's like to be a teenager right now and uh, in, in the context of this kind of torn apart world. So I'm going to start by introducing, we've got two in the studio here in New York, two on the line. First, Lainey Rubin. Lainey is 17. She's from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. She's a board member of You Matter, which is a uh, well. I'll, I'm going to let her talk about what You Matter does in her own in her own words on the show. It's an, a, a, an extraordinary organization. I actually got exposed to it some months ago on another show through Yarden Bloomstein, who is on the on the program and dealing with uh, issues around uh, depression and, and suicidal prevention in the, in, in, in the teen cohort and, and much more. Lainey is a member of uh, several Jewish youth groups. She runs an anti-bullying and inclusion club in her high school. She's a member of the class of 2021 as a senior. She's, a, she's also on her school dance team and a national equity program member. She uh, likes to bake and hang out with her friends. So Lainey, welcome to the program. I think we've got Lainey on. Maybe I needed to to get. Well, we'll keep going with the the intros here, and uh, there we go, Lainey. I think you're on. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Mayan Sidoff is here in the studio with me. Mayan is 12 years old, maybe 13 in a couple of months, from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Uh, Mayan is, I think, very brave to be on the show. Actually. Uh, I've known Mayan for a few years because uh, she was at studying at a, at a yeshiva in Crown Heights where I was doing some volunteer teaching, not to Mayan's uh, classes, but uh, to other students there. And Mayan has, is brave to be on this program for many reasons. She's struggled with mental health. She's on the path to recovery. 
Uh, she lives with her parents, of course, as well as four siblings. And the part of your bio that I'm most excited about, Mayan, is the fact that it says two dogs as well. Because when we met, it was, that was zero dogs. So I hope that's one little way that I've maybe had a positive uh, impact. Uh, I'm a dog lover, as some of the listeners know. Mayan has a passion for boxing, so do I, as well as criminal law and the justice system, so do I, as well as travel. Mayan, welcome. Hi. Mandy Rappaport is on the phone with us. Mandy is the eldest of this group, 19 years old. Mendy's working as a liaison with students at a local high school on some issues I think we'll get into tonight. He grew up with his five siblings in Brooklyn. He's the, uh, the I guess, what do you say, the second oldest. Uh, he has been struggling with depression and suicidal ideation for the last several years and wants to share and draw from this experience to help others in their struggles. Bravo to that, Mendy. Welcome. Hello. Um, I would like to add quickly, I also have gotten a dog since I've met you, so your influence truly knows no bounds. <laughs> If, if that was the only impact that I could have in the world, it was like it was a ledger where it was just the, you know, adding dogs to people's lives and everything else was a, a zero out. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd go to heaven because I, uh, as some as some folks probably know, I I go everywhere, even to the studio with with my with my dog Jiju. Last but not least, in the studio here with me, Sarah Fox. Sarah is a sixteen-year-old. High schooler, graduating a little early, also the class of 2021, so congrats, are almost there. And she has acted professionally in both theater and screen. I learned earlier today that she was on two off-Broadway shows when, when she was in elementary school, so an accomplished person. She's the middle child in a family of five. We have a lot of big families here on the show tonight and resides in Manhattan. All right, we've got Lainey, Mayan, Mendy, Sarah. Um, panel tonight on does it suck to be a teenager in 2021 i want to uh kick us off by acknowledging something that we decided as a group that we wanted to acknowledge uh, on air right at the outset and that is that we are not trying to be an a representative group of the united states you know much less the world in terms of the cohort, the, the age court, the cohort that we're talking about. We're, this is not a particularly racially um, diverse group, uh, not particularly geographically diverse group for the five of us here on the, on the show or in the New York area. And, uh, and one could make the argument that, that therefore we're not necessarily capturing kind of a full spectrum of the experience of what it's like to be a teenager right now, our current reality. And instead of kind of trying to have everybody represented, we kind of we thought I thought about that from a programming perspective tonight. We decided instead to acknowledge it and actually kind of make the point that it, the four preteen to late teens that are on the show tonight have kind of similar inputs. One could say um, sociologically, familiar in terms of family religiously, et cetera. So I think what will be interesting is with somewhat similar inputs, and of course we're all living in this the same pandemic-affected period and politically charged period, how do we react differently? How do our friends react differently? And so that itself, I think, creates a little bit of a scientific control. So instead of like apologizing for it, we want to acknowledge that there are there's a somewhat similar background 
Um, we've got uh, five Jews on the show tonight, myself included, and uh, and you know, like I said, you know, everybody's in a in an urban or uh, suburban area, and and there's probably some some uh, rough similarity in terms of kind of socioeconomic background, et cetera. So, having said that, there's some really different experiences. All right, I'm going to shut up, Laney. I want you to kick us off. Uh, what what is what is the issue, or why is everyone talking about teen mental health in the context of the pandemic? Have things really gotten worse in in your view in the last nine months? I know you're very attuned to this to this issue, this issue in your with your peer group. Um, I believe that yes, the pandemic has exacerbated mental health for teens because, as I like to put it. When you're with your friends and you're doing things, you're not really thinking much about, like, oh, who am I? What am I? And, you know, when you're alone and you're stuck in your house with your family, you're trying to find your purpose and what makes you you. And that is very hard for some who have not found their purpose in life yet, which is totally okay because it takes a while for some people. But for those, especially teens, who have not found a purpose in life, it's hard to go about life understanding, like, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? And I think that having the opportunity to have so much time to ourselves throughout these last couple months has been super difficult on teen mental health. Have, If you don't mind me asking, Lena, have you personally found yourself battling with depression or anxiety in this pandemic period that you feel was situational that you wouldn't have if 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 you weren't subject to the conditions and restraints that we've been living in you know i could speak so much on how i believe that the pandemic has definitely worsened teen mental health but to me i took this opportunity to like truly like better myself and find a way for me to get out of that dark hole i was in so no, I would not say that because of the situation I've dealt with some other struggles that I normally wouldn't have. It kind of helps me in a way. Mandy, how about you? I know that you I mean you, you were right out there in the open saying that you've struggled with suicidal ideation for the last uh, several years. Is this as has this period been worse? Have you been have you been well equipped in a sense that you were that you were having these struggles before the pandemic how's how's this period affected you um well actually it's kind of been a bit of both i was sort of lucky and unlucky with how the pandemic turned out in the timing of it i was actually i uh, was on the road to recovering and i really felt like i was in early uh january february of 2020 i really felt like i was turning the corner and really making some changes in my life and I really felt like I was getting myself into motion then obviously the pandemic came and everything shut down so on the one hand it did stifle me and it did stifle the almost rise back if you will from the depths of darkness that I felt like I was going from but on the other hand I know that had I not been in the state of already recovery I probably would have felt the effects of the pandemic worse it would have aggravated issues that I was lucky to have somewhat been through. So it's a bit of both, but uh, that's that. So the rate, teen, teen suicide, which we've addressed directly on this, this show in the past, 
is is of course a uh, a well researched and well understood at least theoretically understood um, issue. Uh, the it's the the highest um, rate of of suicide on a percentage basis occurs in the teen cohort. This is not specific to the pandemic. This is in general, and depending on where you are in the world, the the rate of teen suicide is affected by the pandemic has gone up between fifty and one hundred and fifty percent. So clearly, there's a there's a a statistical impact. Um, but I'm you know really impressed by. Yeah, uh, Laney and Mendy, your your willingness to kind of talk about the the issue wherever you wherever you sit on the on the spectrum in terms of where you're feeling and where you are in your recovery process. Mayan, I want to bring you into the conversation on this point, and we just heard from a, from a 19 year old. You're 12. Um, you know, I have a nine year old daughter, and I'm just as I as I sit here looking at you in the studio, I'm just incredibly impressed that you're on the air talking about about these types of struggles what how has the pandemic affected you personally and where are you at well before the pandemic i think that i haven't really struggled a lot i struggled with accepting myself and finding out who i really was but i never really took time to like think about it and then i think when i the pandemic started I kind of fell into like a really deep hole and I've attempted to take my life many times and I think that it was hard for me specifically in the pandemic was because I spent a lot of time by myself. I was figuring out who I was, what I was doing here, what my purpose is, all that kind of thing and I think that it took me a while to realize that it doesn't just take a short amount of time to find it and it's and it's like there's a path to that and I think that it took me a while to get there and to get the help that I need and when I did I think that I slowly started to see some change but I didn't because I felt like I kept getting reminders that it ha- that people have to see a certain amount of work for you to so to say make progress Right. so I think that it gave me less motivation, like, well, I have to sit here for a few months in order to know that I actually made progress in myself. So I think that with being by myself a lot and losing a lot of friends and realizing a lot of things that I've been through, I think that it kind of gave me a little bit of a wake-up call mm-hmm. to what I was going through. So... What was, because I imagine there are more parents of teenagers listening to this program, just given how our listenership skews uh, demographically, than there are teenagers. So one of the things I think a lot of parents of teenagers struggle with is how to be a part of the recovery process, how to intervene, how to step in, how to even recognize the signs when someone is kind of you know in that hole, as you described it. How did that happen, if you don't mind sharing with you, or if you if you want to take it out of, of it being the personal response, how would you recommend to parents that might they would be listening to the show 
to get involved, how to step in and, and be a positive influence when, when, a, when a teenager or a preteen is kind of, you know, at the edge of the abyss? Well, I think that it's important to give validation and be that kind of support that they might not have in their life. And for me, it was helpful to go to treatment because when I first got there, I was really upset. I was like, I don't need this. But I think it takes a lot, a big, a big support group to help you on your way to recovery. And I think that not bashing them for having it and not making them feel guilty for having it, for having some mental health challenges because a lot is going through their head. And I think that another thing that's going to be more overwhelming for them is guilt or maybe like feeling like they're a burden. So lots of like acceptance, acceptance and validation and communication is key because I think that that's what's going to get you somewhere is having good mm -hmm. communication. Acceptance and communication. All parents who are listening to this who have teenage children, those, those are key words. Let them penetrate your heart. We're going to be back after a break in a moment. Get in on this conversation. It's a somewhat snarky title that we chose as a group together to really get at the essence of what's going on. We don't want to sugarcoat it. The, the tonight's show is Does It Suck? to be a teenager in 2021 you can call in 718-303-9090 to participate live in this conversation with Lainey and Mayan and Mendy and Sarah and myself and uh, we've got 12 to 19 years old represented and a couple in between be a part of the conversation you if you're shy about being on the air you can first of all you can call in you don't have to say your name you can you can call in without uh, giving your name that's fine but if you just want to send a text uh, you can send it to 917 a text question or comment 917-428-4062 and we will be right back on equal footing Tonight's program of Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you by Mechanical Arts Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the planet. You got to get to New York, though, with the watches. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. For more information, Call 833-209-0972 between 8 a.m. and midnight Eastern Time. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by. You can also go to the website, www.mechanicalartcapital.com. And Mechanical Art Capital funds are wired to you quickly and discreetly in two business days or less. And the timepieces are stored in a secure location in Manhattan, New York. In the meantime, you can have your watches back anytime you're ready, safe and simple. Get money, get liquidity. Contact Mechanical Art Capital at 833-209-0972. All right, you're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. We're talking about teen life in the pandemic 
world in a world of great social and political strife, my guests, Mayan Sidoff, Mendy Rappaport, Sarah Fox, Lainey Rubin, great panel. So we were talking before the break about the situational depression, chronic depression and situational depression as it's been exacerbated by the by the pandemic. Sarah, I want to change the the uh, gears a little bit. And without giving away the, the punchline, you, you've had a different experience or maybe in, generically you've had, you're, you're having a different experience. Tell us about the way you've been navigating the, the pandemic personally. Okay, so basically in the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was like, oh, this will be over by the end of spring break. I'll be back in school, whatever. I'll just take this as a full time off. I'll be like super fit when I get back in school and so like I worked out every day I ran with my best friend um I was watching Netflix I was just basically taking a vacation and yes I was having struggles like being stuck in a New York apartment with my family and everything which wasn't all that fun and things did kind of go downhill as the pandemic progressed but how I see like the teenage years, I see it as such a privilege to be able to be an adult and a kid at the same time. I could choose day to day. Do I want to be more childish? Do I want to let loose today? Or do I want to be an adult? Do I want to have these responsibilities? For instance, I babysit most days of the week. I have those responsibilities of taking care of a child, but at the same time, on weekends, I can, well, not now, go have fun with my friends, but before (laughs) pandemic, I can go have fun with my friends. You can visualize it. Yes, I could think about it. I could watch movies about it and pretend that I'm having fun with my friends. Um, But I think it's a privilege to be a teen, and there are definite struggles that come with it, but... I think it's so amazing, and I turned 17 in three months, and I feel like my teenage years were closing. I'm dreading every single day, but it's amazing. It's, it's amazing, Sarah. Yeah, that you have the point of view. I, so I'm 49 years old, and I was a stick skinny, coke bottle glasses, awkward, uh, just you know. I was a painful teenager. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was a, me- I was miserable a lot of the time. There were things I, I, I like loved playing wiffle ball with my friends. You know, there were there were nerdy things that I loved to do. Sorry if some of my high school friends are listening, uh, but I was not myself. Yet. I mean, I was I I was in this transitional period that was incredibly painful, making mistakes in every every realm. And the thing is, Sarah. You know, you get to you get to my point in life, and you start to have a level of honesty in your in your relationships, or I should say, openness around around stuff. And you start to realize it's okay to talk, be vulnerable and talk about your problems and so forth. And so, I've in preparation for the show, and also in some general healing work I've been doing in my life, I've talked about, and now I have a lot of friends who have teenage kids, so we talk about teen life. And I've talked to friends about what it's like to be a teenager. I don't know. I'm sure maybe I'm leaving someone out. Again, apologies to a friend that I haven't talked about that would uh, that would uh, be an exception to this rule. But I haven't found a single person, Sarah, in my friend group, and we're talking about a you know, reasonably sizable friend group, who 
says at this point in life that they liked being a teenager. And there's, yeah, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. You wanted, you wanted to react to that. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, well, yeah. Being I think a, it sucks. I think it sucks to be a teenager. Yeah, being a teenager does suck. Like, I hate my high school with all my heart and soul. It sucks. But at the same time, like, generally the idea of being a teenager is just so fun. And I do kind of feel like I'm missing out on the experience because of a pandemic. But at the same time, like, being a teenager is fun. So, Lainey, do you agree? It does. It, it doesn't suck to be a teenager. At times, I definitely do agree, and at other times, I don't. But I feel that in order to experience the highs, you must also experience the lows. So, regardless of how I'm feeling at the moment, I know that everything that's going through my brain, everything that I'm experiencing, it's for a reason, and I'll get to where I'm supposed to be. But I have to experience every part of life in order to enjoy every part of life. Wow, you've been doing some probably some logotherapy. That was you, so. You're saying that either you're you're able at at 17 years old to see meaning in the lows and to see that that it is getting you. It's going to bring you to a better place. Yes, there was definitely a time the, where I felt that like. I was super alone, and although that my parents are such a huge support system and the people I surround myself with now who weren't as apparent in my life as they are today, they were there for me. I felt that nobody thought the way that I did and that I was the only one that could do it for myself. And so I started looking to horoscopes and palm readings and my therapist and even though you can take all that with a grain of salt I just like it helps me believe it helps me like imagine imagine like what my life could be like if I truly like do it for myself and put my best foot forward and I have a friend that tells me all the time you're the only one that can do it for yourself if you want happiness you can only do it for yourself so it comes within like nobody else can do it for you yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't mean to be snarky. I really do think that as, you know, later on, the best thing that I take out of my teenage years is the those difficult and painful moments did end up being healthy in some regards. Not in others, but healthy in some regards in the sense that I decided at that point, this is what I don't want to be. This, I want to remember what this feels like. And I think it'll definitely make me a better parent to a teenager you know, that's coming a few days, few years down the road in my case, because I remember telling myself like what I, what my parents were doing wrong. And I didn't want to do that wrong when I was, when I was a parent, Mendy, does it suck? You're, you're, you're fine. You're finishing up your, your teenage years. Does it suck to be a teenager? Well, uh, that was a very well-worded answer. I don't know, um, how to solve that exactly. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would tend to agree with Lainey. I would, I would, I would try to make a bigger distinction, less about time, and uh, more about different elements of it. Um, as a, as an eleven-year-old, actually, or ten-year-old, I don't remember exactly. You, people used to ask me, um, you know, where I was in life, how I was, and I always said I want to hibernate for the next ten years and just wake up after my teenage years as an adult. I, I knew back then, I heard a lot of people say it wasn't fun, and I was like, and it sort of became a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I, I find that it's, um, I find that it's 
it's a double-edged it's a double-edged sword with it being as Sarah pointed out this point where you're both a child and an adult in certain ways therefore you can experience both of those experiences that is a positive in certain ways and there's a lot of elements I mean look at the amount of times teenagers are captured in pop culture like there's it's a very interesting time as opposed to other times in your life but I there's also the element of almost being lost right. because you're, you're stuck sort of in between these two pretty well-defined stages of your life, and you, you're not exactly sure what to make of it. Um, so there's definitely elements of suckiness, and I think on the day-to-day, in the grind, as they say, it's, it's definitely difficult. But I want to appreciate um, what Lainey said. I 100% agree overall. And Sarah, that there are those elements of positivity and unique positivity, unique to teenagers that you need to, or you don't need to, but it's, it's, a, it's a joy and a pleasure to be able to experience and remember and keep those memories and uh, experience those things. You know, as I was preparing for this show, I was reading and watching videos of you know, authors and philosophers and celebrities talking about what it was like to be a teenager and to combine Laney's comment, Sarah's comment, and, and yours, Mendy, the one that stands out is Rob Lowe, the, the actor who said, I, I, yes, I liked being a teenager, but I would not go back for all the tea in China. <laughs> so it's like you can acknowledge that it's great, Sarah, but that later you're like, I, I don't want to do that again. Man, we were joking before the show about how um, you've got a leg up here because – in a sense, you've you're, you've dealt with prototypical teen crises before you were a teen, so you're going to be golden. <laughs> you're like have a leg up. It, seriously speaking, as you look forward, as you're entering your teen years, I think you turned 13 in, in March. Um, are you are you looking forward? Are you looking forward to it? Well, a lot of times, I think like. Oh, maybe I got all my teenage bad stuff done now, so I'll have a really good high school and I'll have a really good teenage year. But I also think, like, it's all up to you, you know? Like, it's all up to how you take everything and, like, how your response to things are. So a part of me is, like, I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to let... I can't control what happens as I go forward in life but I can't control what I do with that but another part of me is like maybe there's going to be like a million more rounds of like bad stuff to come but again we never know and I'm just gotta keep your head up and hope for the best and make make sense of what's happening and help yourself of help yourself with what you can get and like grab everything from what you have like grab all the resources and everything that you is in front of you I, yourself. I personally think it's going to be okay for you <laughs> can <laughs> I add something through. to that yeah shoot Lainey so I read a quote today and it said the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit and honestly I think that speaks volumes because one of the hardest parts especially for me regarding my mental health is that no day is the same and what you feel one day is not what you will feel the next day or the day after that so one thing to remember is just to understand that 
life is constantly changing and the universe would not throw something at you that you cannot handle. So it's really important to remember that you're always growing, you're always evolving, you're always changing. I appreciate that. Let's talk about a couple of those things that the universe throws at teenagers right now. Uh, Two that are very much in the public consciousness at the moment. One is the way that we're so split as a society and the extraordinary levels of, of, of anger and fear uh, bi-directionally. Sarah, do you feel like this politically charged environment is affecting you or do you stay out of the fray? I think it is affecting me. I mean, I don't, I am very privileged um, in many ways, like economically and racially, I'm very privileged, but um, I do think what's happening in the world right now is affecting my life in many ways. My school is a very political school everyone is insanely obsessed with politics and i think that the laws and our government are putting so many things into effect that are affecting my friends and people that i care about and i think that everything from like the laws being put into effect and the riots going on and protesters and Everything on social media is affecting my life. I think that it's very important to be in touch with um, with everything going on, um, for lack of better words. But at the same time, I can't force somebody to care about something. Yeah, it seems like the, the way you see it right now as an adult is that you feel like the assumption, I think, I make the assumption, that teens are incredibly engaged. Like wherever yeah. they sit in the political spectrum, they're like incredibly engaged. But then I wonder if I'm right. Maybe maybe it's like a turnoff switch. It's like overwhelm. overwhelm like I, I want to get out of this because it's one thing for me. I've been around for, for a longer period of time. You know, I'm like, okay, I can choose when I'm going to dip in or dip out of the – get out of the political waters. Yeah. But this is like – you guys are growing up at a time that just feels so um, difficult and intense. I think also that people my age are having a voice now more than ever because of social media and because of the internet. Like 50 years ago, a 15-year-old, 16-year-old from Switzerland wasn't going to go across the world on a boat to speak about climate change. That wasn't going to happen. It happened because of social media. Right. And I, th- gave- I think they had planes then, but yeah, I get your point. Yeah, but Greta Thunberg uh, put like didn't want to take a plane because it's so bad for our environment, and so oh, right. she I got, got. I missed the point. I'm I'm like yeah. correcting you, and I'm going to miss the point. Got it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but she and she got her platform because of social media, and she's getting recognition from our president. And even though he did bash her and it was incredibly rude and uncalled for, she still got recognition for what she's doing because she's making waves in the water. And she's she a won teenager. a Nobel Prize, right? Yeah, she yeah, did. That's just amazing. It, it, Mendy, how about you? You've been around on the planet a little bit longer than some of the other guests on the show. How does this politically charged and painful environment that we pandemic aside, I'm talking about the political and sociological strife how does how does that affect you um well i i first want to mention sarah was hitting on a very strong point at the end there with regards to social media and the changes it has made to the world and um i think a very key part of the teenage life is that search and that want for belonging and place and purpose 
And both politics and, to a certain extent, social media give you that in a certain way. And so when you're looking through these things and you're interacting with it on a very base level, um, which, unfortunately, in the world, most politics are interacted with by the majority of people on a very base level, you know, baseline information, baseline opinions, like, without fully deeply going into it, it's it's horrible almost because you're almost you're getting the number one news stories which are always negative you're getting the number one all these things which which it really is crushing in a way it kind of feels like the world is falling apart at the same time when in your life your world world is falling apart you're going through these sorts of changes so what um <clears throat> so we're going to get to a, a caller's question in a, in a moment but i Mayan, we, we, we're skirting around the edges around the social media discussion, which I want to hit uh, head on. But to what extent do you think your your battle with depression was exacerbated by social media? And to what extent do you think your recovery process has been helped by social media? How much of an influence has social media been on this experience with you? Well, for me, I feel like with social media, it feels like 10 people is the entire world. So it was... You're hearing some background noise. Hopefully they'll call back in. Sorry, go ahead, Mayan. Um, so I was saying that like 10 people feels like the entire world. So when I would lose a friendship, I'd feel like I lost everybody. And it was hard because my entire life, I feel like, was on social media. Because I was stuck at home, talking to my friends were on social media. My entertainment was on social media. My distractions were somewhat on social media. And I feel like that was my reality when mm-hmm. it wasn't right and i guess i was get being pulled away from reality and i think in some ways it was helpful because i and on so, some social media platforms i found people that i can relate to and that have been through similar things to me and then i sit down and i'm like i'm not the only one going through this there are so many other people out there that have been struggling and everyone's reaching out for help from each other and you might not have that support at home but there's always somewhere where you can find it and I think that that was somewhat helpful so it's like it was like a accelerator it sounds like it was both hurtful and helpful it's like yeah. uh, excel- I, I, I think that's g- I generically think true about social media I think the way you use it that makes it effective yeah. We're going to take a call uh, right after the break. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I want to give out our number again, 718-303-9090, to get in on the discussion about teenage life in 2021. Does it suck to be a teenager in 2021? With my wonderful guests, Mayan, Lainey, Sarah, and Mendy. And uh, the you can text the question as well. We have a few text questions to try to get to a couple of these as well as the call after the break. You can text to 917 428 4062. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. So you're still thinking of me Just like I know you should I cannot give you everything You know I wish I could I'm so high at the moment Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. 
So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. We're talking about being a teenager in 2021. Does it suck? Stan, you're on the air. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Uh, Dove, can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Dove, let's do a quick survey with these kids. How many of them are on depressants? Are any of them on medications or depressants? I just want to know quickly. Can you ask? I am. <laughs> okay. One? Or anybody else? I wasn't I am correct. Anymore. You were on before, but you're off. Okay, so correct? I got, uh, just to help out, because I'm in the studio, so, so we, right. we have two that are, and one that was and is and is not, and one, right. that, and one that hasn't been and is not. Okay, so maybe four out of five have done it on it and take off it, correct? Maybe four out of five. Am I right on that? Uh, it, it sounds like three out of four. Okay, okay. All right. Well, what does that say to me? Well, it says to me that, uh, one, turn off the computer. Turn off all of these things. Okay? That's the first thing. Number two, it is somewhat pathetic that I have to hear, and you have to hear, and everybody has to hear, that kids these age, which seems to be a, a... happening more and more are on are on depressants and so forth and the real story is not them i'm sorry to say it's their parents okay and many of them have good upbringings probably excellent upbringings maybe not and that uh, the parents to some extent obviously under these circumstances uh maybe to some extent pamper them or don't pamper them i don't know but this seems to be a problem with the last generation and this generation of uh, they need meds, which is ridiculous. One of the main problems, and they mentioned a little bit, is dealing with the pandemic. Well, young kids, this is life. It is sad. It is tragic. We see people dying all the time, but it sadly is like it's been going on hundreds of years. There was a pandemic a hundred years ago. People died. And obviously, you don't have people to talk to. So the question is, where are the parents? What do these now? Many have to go to work. Many don't know what to do. It's the parents. If I hear the you. Parents can't handle them. I hear you, Stan. And I just, the, I just, I just, I just want to say, I, 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 you know what? I, I really appreciate your call and your directness because that's why I wanted to do this show. There's there's a lot of pussyfooting around these issues and the lack <laughs> of know, dialogue. I know, I know you're direct. That's why I took the call. And I, I really I, I really fe- feel it's important that, that we like directly. And you know what, Stan? I'm in the studio 
and there were there weren't there wasn't anger going on. There were literally smiles. So I can't wait to hear the responses. I got smiles. I'm just I got smi- depressing. I get it. So, I hear that but let's you're, you're asking the question. Let's, this is all over the so let's get the let's get the answer. So, so, Always a pleasure to talk to you as well. Thanks, Dan. God bless. Okay. Right. Mayan, you want to take you a question? Oh, oh, Stan, you still in the air? All right. Well, Stan, if you're hearing us, Mayan wanted to ask you a question. So. Please call back in. So, um, well, why don't you give your question, and then hopefully Stan will call back in. Uh, my question was, you mentioned that this is life. It sucks. It's sad. It's depressing. People die. But that is, does that mean that people won't need support? Does that mean that, like, people won't have challenges because this is life? Does that mean that people will just all, like, suck it up? Uh, to add on to you, if your child is sick, if your child has a, co- a cold, will you give your child medicine? We, if a, a child is suffering with mental health, what's the difference between giving a, a physically sick child medicine and giving a mentally sick child medicine? I can speak to that, too. So his question was, where are your parents? Well, my I know that I have a great relationship with my parents, and if it wasn't for them, then I wouldn't be where I am today, regardless mental health-wise or just me as a person. And my mom is my best friend, and I wouldn't trade her for anything in the world. So although she cannot always understand where I'm coming from, she helps me along the way. And knowing that she's there for me when I need her just makes it 1,000 times better. So Stan, and same with my dad. Lainey, Sarah, Mayan, thank you. Mayan asked Stan a question, and good on Stan. He called back in to answer your question. So Stan, you're back on the air. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question because I just got in with the phone. I'm sorry. Okay, just it's okay. Make it quick. Um, it's okay. My question was, you mentioned that life is sad, depressing, people die. Yeah. Does that mean that people will have to just suck it up and that they won't need extra support? Uh, no, but in many cases, yeah. Uh, there are 300,000 people dying to have died. As we talk now, to be to be fair, died. Stan, the, the average age—I'm not de- minimizing the deaths—but the the average age of death from COVID in the United States is 83. So it's yes quite no. different. Uh, well, that's the average. No, no, of course there, are, but that's an average. Okay, I'm giving you an average is, number. The point yeah. is, there are also young people dying. Not as much, but they are young people. But that's not the question. The question is, uh, there was a time. When young people didn't run to medications, didn't run to psychiatrists, uh, the reason they are today, because dealing with realities of life is very hard, especially today, as we see people dying. People can't understand it, can't take it, and they're not old enough to understand it. We have somebody here that's nine years old, ten years old. She's already, you know, she's questioning her life. Yeah, she's 12. I was referring to my she's daughter. Questioning, nine, I, yeah. mean, I mean, this is somewhat ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, the point is, uh, again, the parents are under a lot of pressure today. They have to make a living, and they can't necessarily be around. So, you, you know, you stuck it up and you, you get yourself but together and you try the ones that are living the everyday life in our own headspace so like yeah you guys are making a living and you're getting through the day but we're also suffering inside and sometimes we have to suffer silently because people are minimizing our feelings and they're saying that oh you suck it up because this is life and you're gonna die at the age of 90 so there you go this is just like suck it up but, like, no, because we only here once. We're only living here once, and we want to make the best out of it. So, yeah, we might need extra support. We might need extra help, and we might need some – we might be having some difficult things that 
maybe a 50-year-old man might be not be going through, maybe a 7-year-old might be going through, but there's no age for suffer. I I really appreciate that that Stan called in and this dialogue. Mandy, you kind of and, and Mayana, I, I salute you for tackling that head on and for the record my aunt is 12 not going on 13 not not nine i was referring to my daughter who's nine and definitely not on the show uh mandy you are in a certain sense a bridge on this point right because you are a liaison to younger teens and so you i don't know if you see kind of something in what stan's saying and i'm sure you at least deal with that with some you know parents perspective of the teens you liaise with what's what's your take um, well, actually, a specific part of um, being the liaison in the way that I am and trying to do it in a unique way that has not been done and in a way that feels more comfortable is that I try to truly approach it as a third party. And, uh, you know, I do speak to teachers and I do speak to, to the principal quite often. Um, I try to keep extreme privacy. I don't tell anyone's information, but I also... I'm not trying to really bridge the gap in terms of um, be the what's in between the two parents and the and the children. So I guess not a full on liaison as that, but almost come from where I am and create a bridge and create a support for the teenagers and try to prevent almost like something to hold on to a railing on the stair- on the stairway. And uh, I want to quickly answer Stan. Um, uh, mental health has gone a long way in the past 50, 60 years. Mental health is the fastest growing science. Uh, it's growing exponentially. Um, and it's still, you know, we still have tons and tons of stuff that we don't, um, we don't, we don't know yet. And mind is a truly complicated thing. And, I, I, I disagree with Stan on this. Um, yes, ultimately nobody wants to be on depressants and nobody wants to chemically be enhancing their brains or whatever, but I believe that there is a positive way, a positive thing that is coming through the struggle. And there is this, there is what we're doing. We're moving forward and we're expanding the possibilities, not just for teenagers, but for humanity to truly be more in touch with their emotions. I am um, not saying the old generations had it wrong, and I'm not saying the old generations, you know, um, they had missed the mark, so to speak. But I believe that, you know, it is our job and our duty to move forward for the next generation and to examine these things as much as we can and not to just say, suck it up, move past it. These are real issues that we have to deal with, and just pretending like because we did not have to deal with these, you did not have to deal with these, we don't. Right. And, you know, listen, I actually wish that I had uh, access to the mental health resources and, frankly, maybe even the pharmaceutical prescriptions when I was a teen. Uh, I, you know, that I didn't know who to talk to. I don't know if I would have been prescribed something or not, but I have no shame in saying that, that perhaps I would have benefited from it. Sarah, uh, just, I, we have another caller. We're going to take uh, Heshi in a minute who's on the line, but did you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to say to Stan, okay, Boomer. You could think what you want to think, but there's no difference between giving a physically sick child medicine and giving a mentally sick child medicine. We all have mental health. That's not saying that we all are mentally disabled or that we all have anxiety and depression, but we all have a mental health circumference of some sort, and we all have to take care of that, whether it is with medicine 
or whether it's with therapy. Yeah, bravo. Heshi, you're on line one. Uh, welcome. Hello, Dove. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. I want you to know your show is wonderful, and I enjoy it so much, especially when I was on your show. It was a lot of fun. But um, this is a very serious issue that you're discussing, and um, I've been talking about this for, you know, for years, especially with the teen suicides that are going on in my community. We had so many last year. And everybody tells me, well, Heshi, you, you, you have a lot of, uh, you're a big shot. Do you have a solution to this? And I'm not going to tell Mayan and all the rest of you guys that I have a solution. But I've gone through this. Uh, I, I've dealt with a lot of children, and my solution is simple. A lot of these children, they when they become teenagers, they're forced into being grown-ups, or they want to be part of, I'm, I'm not blaming your cell phones and Internet like the guy before shut it off. A child is supposed to be a child, and I blame it on the education and not on the parents because parents are busy. That's why we send them to school. A lot of us parents who either homeschool or very involved with our children, we all have depression. I have depression. You have depression. We all go through a bad day or a bad week or a great week. You, you, we're trying to fix the problem with medicines, and I believe medicines and therapy is okay. I, I really like therapy so much, but we need to talk to our children. We need to make our children be children. My, when I was uh, more into the young, and I'm part of a youth center, and I'm part of the teens, and, I, and especially when I become city councilman, I plan on doing more youth centers. Why? Children need to be children. They can't be thrown into this responsibility of growing up or look what's coming your way. You're right. Of course there's anxiety. You and me don't have anxiety. Life, work, tomorrow morning, wake up, weddings, running, taking care of the sick. We have so much to do. Children are not made. They're you very know, fragile. I, that's I'm, why, I really that's why I'm against drugs as well. Because you're forcing these children into growing up. They have to be children. We have to have fun. We have to have programs for them. If we keep them busy, showing them what it is to enjoy their youth, then they don't have anxiety. When they get to be our age, yes. Then they're able to handle it. But we're not teaching them how to enjoy their lives and laugh when something goes wrong. And that's Heshi, the problem. Let me let, I, 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 we, we got your point. We're coming up on the hour. This is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very important point. And I should have brought this up at the, at the outset of the show and I think I was uh, you know embarrassed Heshi, I want to th- I want to thank you for for your for your question um, the there's a concept of autobiographical memory okay and there's there's this uh, it, it's a, a well-studied issue around bioprogramming and the way we look at our lives and it, there's even a, something called the reminiscence bump that has to do with a peak of time where we perceived that, that that we have clarity around the previous experiences in our life. And here's why this is important and how it ties into Stan's question. And it was actually, as, as my guests on the show know, is the bedrock for the show. If you ask, and this, there, there are many studies to, that, that, uh, that back this up. There's, there's uh, sites like BetterHelp.com that, that go through, uh, that have good resources on this stuff and kind of getting through the... Uh, the, the fog on your autobiographical memory. If you ask someone who's in their mid-20s how their teen years were, the large majority will say that they were awful. You ask someone in their 30s, the numbers get a little better, you know, somewhere in the half-half range. This is generalized. I'm sure a lot of the studies in Western Europe and the U.S., but generalized uh, trend line. You ask someone in their 40s, their 50s, it gets better. By the time you're near the end of your life and you're in your 70s or 80s, you have three-quarters or more of people saying that they had great 
uh, teen years. Now, what's going on there? Is it that their perspective the rest of life just sucks worse and worse because that's one theory. So as things get worse on a relative basis, your teen life looks better. But that's disproven scientifically and academically because then if you look within the period itself and how people self-describe as being content, that number's going up. So weirdly, or maybe not weirdly, but in general, the trend line goes up through your entire life from teen to death. There's a dip at the end when people are experiencing ailments and pain, but people are generally self-qualified as happier as they get older. But they look back on their teen years as more and more positive. That doesn't make sense. Are we programmed? Literally, just like women who give childbirth, that it's very painful. They're often, we know there's bioprogramming to forget the pain. So you have another child. There is evolutionary programming in us. Are we programmed to not acknowledge how sucky teenage years are? And I think if we acknowledge that, and I'm speaking here as, an, as the only adult on the program. <laughs> Probably less mature than their cast of the program, just older. But if we as adults acknowledge that, how incredibly, pardon my French, shitty it is for most people to be teenagers, then we can, as my aunt said early in the program, accept. We can, as parents, be more present. So uh, we're going to come up on the hour, but this, there's a very patient caller on uh, line two. Welcome to Equal Footing. Hi, how are you? Um, thank you so much for this show. It's so enlightening. and it's, uh, I just want to say that all four of you teens are so eloquent and mature and courageous. Um, I want to speak to Stan's comment about life being hard and having to just suck it up. There's such a stigma around mental illness and the fact that we can see that there's a difference between depression and anxiety and just having a bad day is paramount. And I think this connects to what you were saying, though, right now about admitting that being a teenager is hard. It is hard. And, and it is a time of limbo where you're stuck between wanting to be who you are and your own passions and desires and all these people around you who wish that you would fit into their perce- perception of you. And I just want to commend the four of you because the little that I know you, I just hear so much strength. And I wonder how you do balance that. How do you balance um, that wisdom that you have inside, that that voice that's getting louder as you get older, that, that kind of calls out to you what you want for your life, and all the people around you who may have different expectations of you or their ho- their own hopes and dreams. Thank you for your call. Very much appreciated. We're about to come up on the hour. So 10, 20 seconds, literally 10, 15 seconds each. Lainey, how do you, how do you find that balance? Um, to be honest, I have not found that balance yet, but it's something that I work on every day. And I just know that each day gets easier and whatever's thrown at me, um, it's for a reason and I'll be able to handle it one day. Amen. And that's how I... Mandy, how do you handle it? Oh, I, I'm going to do Mandy last. Sarah, how do you handle that balance? Um, I, again, to agree with Lainey, I haven't found that balance, but I'm working towards it. And I use my friends as my personal therapists and TikTok as a safe haven. So, yeah. Mandy. Yeah, sorry. Um, one thing I... Part of this balance and part of being able to this, the first step in any problem is admitting to yourself and being okay with the fact that you have the problem. There's a stigma against it, even within ourselves. 
Amen. I'm running out of time. Yeah. But, uh, I, you I, need to. You need to. Sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off, Mandy. Thank you. We've got to be open and honest. That's a purpose of this program. Mayan, Mendy, Laney, Sarah, thank you. We'll be back next week on Equal Footing. God bless.